What's up, podcast fam? It's your boy, Jason Crick, a.k.a. the Friendly Neighborhood Dreadhead. And we're going to be doing something a little bit different on this podcast. I'm actually been wanting to start an interview series for a while now because it's just something I've always wanted to do. So I would like to welcome you guys. My first ever interviewee, he is a father, an author, entrepreneur, and hopefully somebody I can learn a lot from today It is Mr. Jamie Jenkins. How are you doing, sir? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good, man. Glad to be here. Thankful and grateful for the opportunity to be on the podcast with you, man. And just want to learn some things about you and everything you got going on myself. And uh, just happy to be here. All right. Happy to have you. Like I say, it's such an honor for you to be my first ever guest. Indeed, man, it is. So I want to know. Okay. What got you to um, what made you know that you want to be an entrepreneur? I guess entrepreneur has been something that's been, I guess, in and out of my, uh, I guess, life uh, as far as being able to have something that no one else can control. Uh, I remember growing up, uh, my mom was uh, married uh, at the time and uh, my stepdad at the time, he painted cars and, and he and he worked for a guy for a long time. And I remember him coming home one day and was like, uh, I can do this myself. And so he literally built a paint shop in, in the I mean, literally in the dirt. I mean, like where we were, it was just. In, uh, you know, like way out in the country or whatever. So he built a paint shop and then, you know, put up his plastic walls and put up everything he needed to uh, provide a clean environment. So he literally duplicated what he was doing at work for himself. And he never worked for, you know, never worked for anyone else. Uh, my, my biological father, he uh, is, a, is an entrepreneur. He, he owns his own brick mason company. And that's something that we just don't, you know, those type of things we don't push as much as we should, I guess, uh, ensuring that our children or, you know, people that are, there are things that people could get into and, and could own it forever, regardless of the economy, people are going to, you know, get cars painted and get cars worked on. They just have to. And if anybody's building anything, they need brick lace, brick masons. Uh, so it, it's one of those things that I've always, you know, kind of got into. I got into photography a little late, maybe 10 years ago. Uh, I've, I've enjoyed uh, what photography brings, the doors it opens, the people that it allows you to meet. And so then my latest journey, it, you know, I got into uh, journal writing as far as being an author. So it's always been there. Uh, now I'm just pushing that they have tools and skills that are, uh, you know, they should be able to get, get paid for. All right. So, yeah, um, like I said, I'm glad that we got the chance to talk because there's a lot of black entrepreneurs out there and I just wanted to sit down one-on-one with one of them, because like I said, me, myself, I just see myself being an owner of my own business. Mm -hmm. And like, I feel like this podcast is helping me, it's helping me kind of manage that and like showing me how to, how to network with different people and how to make connections. Mm -hmm. So you said that basically the men in your like the men basically in your life had mm-hmm. gave you the inspiration. See, for me, I think that's important because me personally, people that know me personally, I don't I never really had a father figure in my life. It was men mm-hmm. come and go. So to hear somebody like you that has that's putting out these journals and trying to focus on helping like the black community community communicate one another and help mm-hmm. us grow that really resonates with me. Listen, I'm going to tell you what's kind of funny, man. Uh, As far as having the right uh, role model things like that around you. Um, I'm going to say I was very fortunate because I grew up with a stepdad. And then, you know, later in life, I met my biological father. But I had some friends that were just mature. You know what I'm saying? Right. And so the same thing my mom would tell me to do it, it, it didn't resonate until one of my friends told me, hey, you need to be working on this. Hey, you need to, you know, make sure you tighten up on your schoolwork or, you know, make sure you have practice on time and blah, blah, blah. Make sure you, you know, dress in a certain way when you go in certain places and your attitude and stuff like that. Um, but it's, it's still up to, you know, you as a person to listen and to do that. I have mentors in business that are younger than me. Oh, really? Uh, because, yeah. <laughs> one of my good friends, his name is Corey Collins. He's also an author. Uh, he has a he has a book out called Life is Easy, We Make It Hard. 
And so, and he's younger than me. I mean, like a couple years younger than me. And so, it's this about attaching yourself to people that are headed in the right direction. If you want to see what your life is going to look like in the next five to ten years, look at your circle. It doesn't matter if what age. Don't that's that's like one of the last things you really need to worry about. But if you look at your circle and you see if these people are doing certain things or, or, or attending certain type of functions and you know it's in a positive direction, that's who you attach yourself to. Don't worry about their birthdays. <laughs> yeah, I understand that. Like I said, um, my mom, she was she was never really big on friends. Like, of course, she has friends, but she, she felt like you should be able to do things on your own. But I don't know where I got it from. But my close-knit group of friends, I tell people all the time, that's like my ex- extended family. It's like mm-hmm. three people that I keep close to my best because those who I trust the most and we push each other to do more and to do better. So I get what you're saying with that. It's just like sometimes I do wish what it was like, what it, what it would have been like if I would have had a, like a father figure, mm-hmm. a positive father figure in my life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because I tell you all the time, it's different. Like it's, really different for a black man that just haven't that grew up without a father because not only does he have to teach you how to be a man but he has to teach you how to be a black man to live in this world yeah you're missing a lot now and 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 like i said the mentor programs and things that uh that mothers or you know even fathers could get their sons and daughters into i think it's just you have to seek help um if you're a father that works a lot and, and, and there are certain things you know you're not providing like it's still your job to ensure that the child is getting the things they need to get you know what i mean like that's what it's all about that's what it's all about what what are you doing uh to ensure that you know you're providing certain things for uh you know for your child especially a son is there certain things aspects in life he needs to know uh certain fathers they know that they aren't you know they may not be feeling filling a certain role in their son's life regardless of what it may be if it's fine if it's financial if it's mental if it's you know psychological help or whatever it may be and at that point what's best for the child you know what i'm saying what can you do to ensure that the child is getting uh you know getting the help they need or, or getting the 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 attitude adjustment they need to to make sure that they're productive right Tell me a little bit about your childhood. What was it like for you growing up? Uh, for me growing up, small town, uh, uh, mostly, mostly, mostly black in my community. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, I had some really good teachers. Uh, I, I tested into the gifted program, probably maybe in the maybe third or fourth grade. So uh, throughout school, I was in you know, advanced placement programs and things of that nature. Uh, and then as I got into middle school, things of that nature, I was class clown. I was a class clown, but I maintained great grades. Uh, fortunately or unfortunately, I, I never studied and never, you know, never, you know, studied and brought home notes and stuff like that. I was just able to retain a lot of information. I figured out it's just about high school is about retaining information. That's it. You, you know, what you're learning for life is very little in high school, uh, but it's about regurgitating information. And I just saw everything as a story. I saw everything as uh, like a movie. And so what I was able to do beyond, beyond that is just kind of retain everything. So I graduated with honors from high school, you know, played basketball, uh, stuff like that. And I, and I attended Alcorn State University in, in Lorman, Mississippi. Uh, that's all, uh, that's uh, Steve McNair, Donald Driver are two, you know, big uh, NFL uh, players um, uh, for, you know, that we root for. But then uh, went uh, political science, pre-law major there. Um, and, and, you know, that's pretty much my, you know, I guess high school and college, you know, growing up as far as education uh, is concerned. Okay. Man, you, sound, you sound like me. I was never big on studying or taking those. It was just, mm-hmm. like I said, the knowledge is I retained it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My, I have a sister uh, a little older than me, and she uh, she went to the Air Force, and she literally would be so mad. She literally be so mad <laughs> because I would come in and literally just throw my books on the on the front porch and go play, like, every day, every day, every day. 
Yeah. He's so. not spitting anything. And <laughs> my mom like, well, he's making straight A's. Like, what you want me to do? Like, he needed to be here. So I said, study for what? <laughs> you know, so it, it was always kind of like a running joke with us. I'm going say, if you got it like that, you know, <laughs> just keep doing what you do. So, okay, so speak more, like, how, um, speak more of your siblings. How close are you guys? Um, my, me and my sister, um, we, we are about 11 years apart. Uh, uh, you know, this one of those things where I'm, she is, you know, almost grown and I'm, you know, seven, eight years old. She's in high school. And so we don't, we didn't grow up with the same, you know, two year apart relationship that some people have the advantage of. Right. Uh, because I said, you know, right at 17 and 18 and at six and seven, it's just certain things you're not going to do. You know what I'm saying? It's just you're not going to get certain situations and certain bonding, you know, from that standpoint. Uh, but we have a great relationship. Uh, she's done a lot of things uh, well accomplished. She's somebody I can always reach out to. Uh, her name is Jacqueline. And uh, just somebody that's a phenomenal career in the Air Force. So she did a lot of example setting. You know, where I could watch her and say she is, you know, very diligent on things she's doing and, and, and I could take from that. Uh, on my dad's side, I had an older sister, basically the exact same age. And uh, she uh, she passed away in 2013 with uh, breast cancer. Uh, and me and her had a great relationship. Uh, you know, one of those things where I met her before I actually met my father, which is kind of crazy. Uh, I, it was, I was like in the 19th grade when, you know, we got to try to figure, you know, not figure out who my dad was, but just kind of make connection and things of that nature. And uh, she reached out before he did. It was like, hey, I want to meet you. And so, you know, we just kind of had a great relationship from that standpoint from, you know, 94, 95, all the way through high school and college and my, my you know, young adult years uh, up until 2013. And her name is Latonia. And so that's it. I just had two sisters. No, no other, you know, everybody else is just cousins and, you know, play cousins. Okay. Well, were, were you close with your other family? Uh, my dad's side? Uh, absolutely. Uh, I'm going to tell you what I did. When I got, when I, you know, uh, we decided to reach out uh, uh, to, to my dad's side of the family. Uh, started off getting, of, of course, the paternity test, thing that nature, 99.9%. Literally, the summer after all that happened, uh, I went to work with him one Saturday. He was, a, you know, like I said, a bricklayer. So I reached out to him, said, hey, I want to work with you this summer. He said, I'll see you tomorrow. No, no. There wasn't no question asked or, you know, why this or why that or do I have room for you? He's like, hey, I'll see you in the morning. Be there at 5 o'clock. So I got there, and uh, he, he was there, and, you know, his, his work crew, and uh, my uncle, one of my uncles was riding with us at that time, named Major. And he was like, uh, <laughs> so I'm, you know, sitting up front with him in the middle. And so Major like, I heard, well, who is this? And uh, my dad's like, this is my son. And uh, Major just looked at me, his brother looked at me like, yeah, show live. <laughs> they just went on about their day like, you know, it wasn't no big deal with me being there. And so I work with my dad all through, you know, all through school. And so, like, his family is like one of those, you know, it's like I was never missing. I literally met him going into my going into my 10th grade year. And so literally when I started coming around, there was no where you been or I'm not sure about this. Like it was nothing. It was like literally like like I was there the 10 years before. And I never harbored, you know, all those. What happened? Why you didn't call? You weren't here for my sixth birthday, eighth birthday. I didn't think it was productive. I'm one of those people. I'm just trying to find the most productive thing to do. And at that point, you know, once me and my father, the most productive thing was for me to do was start building a relationship from that point forward, not that point backwards. Right. Because like I said, it's always you like it's not about when y'all when you try to connect, it's about how it's it's not about uh when about just about how you connect and how you keep mm -hmm. that going because my father like me and my father i'm trying to do better to con connect with him more because like i said he wasn't there when i was younger but i'm trying to do better now because now that i have a daughter myself i want to i want to try and have relationships while i can because you don't know 
when your father, your mother is going to is going to leave this leave this earth. And who knows, you might reconnect something, reconnect with something and it it might turn out really good. What was your first business venture? Um, My first business venture was photography. And uh, I'm still doing that today. Uh, I, I shoot under the name Big Pretty Pictures. Um, and I'm going to tell you what happened. Uh, my son started playing. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you a little story. So my son started five, six years old. And so I am, you know, you know, taking photos and little video of him at practice and stuff like that. And, and I'm going to tell you what really it started resonating right then that something was wrong. Uh, because just with just with society in in itself, uh, because I'm at practice and stuff like that, and so you know the moms are bringing their sons to practice. It's like it, it's like eight kids, you know. It's not like it's a real team, not like a you know a, a full. And so literally the entire practice, you know, we practice for like you know three four weeks before the game. I didn't see one day. I didn't meet one day. Didn't meet one. And so, uh, you know, we got ready to start the start the game. So we had like a little five game season. And so, literally, for the entire for the entire season, not one dad came to one game. Oh, wow. All moms, every game, all moms, every game, all snakes win or lose, cheering their sons on. All season now. So we played a little, little five games stuff like that. And so we got ready to go to the a uh, little award show, you know, of course, everybody get the little trophies and stuff like that. Uh, and all the dads came. All the dads showed up for the award. <laughs> and so I was like, man, like, what are these dudes being all year? Like, they didn't, they couldn't take out one, not one game to see their son run backwards for 30, 40 yards, you know, just to be out there. Uh, and I was like, wow. But during the whole year, you know, as I was taking video and pictures of my son, I was doing it for the rest of the parents. And so they were like, okay, let me, uh, you know, let me see where we are. Let me see, you know, how, how do we get these photos? How do we pay for them? And I was like, I was like, well, I wasn't thinking about that. You know, I was just taking, the, you know, just kind of capturing the moments and stuff like that. And so literally I went to a, a pawn shop and got a battery operated uh, camera. That was one of my first cameras, like a battery operated camera. And literally uh, one of my friends was opening up. She was opening her, uh, a bakery in Hazelhurst. Big news, big deal. And I reached out to her. I say, hey, you know, do you have somebody taking photos for your opening? She's like, no. You a photographer? I'm like, yeah, I'm a photographer. Listen, didn't have a clue. I didn't have <laughs> one clue what I was doing. Not <laughs> one. Not one. And it was just this, this crazy because I was like, yeah, I'm a photographer. One lens. One set of batteries. That's it. That's all I took. No flash, no, no nothing. And I literally went down there and took photos like I was at a wedding. Do you hear me? I, I probably took 600 pictures. <laughs> so, you know, when you start off, you just overshoot, 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 overshoot. And so I started there, started, you know, got another little gig, little high school photos, stuff like that. Then I got me a real camera and, you know, it's been it's been phenomenal. It's one of those things where I hadn't done it as much lately, uh, but I'm always uh, you know uh, you know in the in the in the market to improve my skills. And, and photography is one of those things that puts you in everything. There's always an opening with a photographer. If it's a you know a, a venture or a business is opening, networking. You walk in with a camera, you can get on almost any high school field or college field automatically. You've got some equipment with you, you're basically good. Uh, you know, say, hey, I shoot for so-and-so. You know, I went to a mini college game and just, you know, got on the sideline, took photos for, you know, for the, for the game. Um, you know, uh, marketing and stuff like that, people are always reaching out. So it's one of those things where it just, it's, it's, been, it's been great. It's just been a great uh, venture for me, uh, photography happening. Well, yeah, man, that that's a really good story because it basically luckily she didn't ask for no credentials because oh no, <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'm a photographer. She's like, oh, no, come on, come on in. I'm like, bet I'm on the way. Yeah, well, that's really that's a really cool story. So now another one thing I do want to bring up: you said you have you um you're an author and um mm-hmm. 
you do these you do these journals it's called hello well, well it's really like well hello black man but you have yeah. multiple i have multiple journals so the hello black man started um i had a son and and, and, and literally we were not having great communication and i i didn't i i felt like it wasn't because my communication and i didn't feel like he was he wasn't like uh i don't know he wasn't disregarding me based on just who i was i just felt like it was just like oil and water neither one is negative they just don't mix you, you understand what i'm saying right it, it wasn't necessarily him upset or, uh, disregarding he just didn't see the, the importance of the things i was asking him to do when, where, how, and the same way with you know him asking me certain things, I may I, I didn't see certain things the way he wanted me to see, you know, and that's what I think. That's why I think parents and, and, and kids get a lot mixed up. I, I don't think they value each other's opinion, and so uh, you know you get to that, 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 that old school way. What I say go well. What does it like? You know, is it really? It doesn't always make the most sense. And a lot of times parents can't take, you know, constructive criticism, you know, or why didn't you do this? Why didn't you ask me this way? Like asking a child a certain way or a teenager a certain way, that feels like a slap in the face to some adults. You know what I mean? Right. But if you're, if you're asking a, a child something all crazy, yelling and cussing, like he should have a right to say, wait a minute now, this this is not this is not how I need to be talked to, you know, and I'm fine with it. And, you know, in, in, in a lot of regards. Um but I'm a, and so me and my son we was having a lot of communication issues, and so I say, you know what? I'm gonna ask him some questions, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna allow him to write down his answer. That way, what he's not interrupted and he's not intimidated. No interruptions, no intimidation. And so now, you know, if, if a parent asks a child something right now, why did you do this? Well, I did it because shut up! I don't want to hear that. <laughs> Wait a minute, man! Like, did you did you want the answer or not? You know what I mean? And so a lot of times kids will just say what they want, what you want to hear, just, just to get you on out of there, you know, to get to finish the conversation. But you're not getting to the, their root reasoning behind maybe some of the decisions they made. And so I started saying, well, you know what, I'm going I'm to write some things down for him also. And I'm going to tell you, I had, a, I, I, had I was so excited at, at a certain moment. I start writing these questions down, 10 questions, 15 questions, 20 questions. I'm just writing questions down, things I want him to know about me and things I don't know about him, right? Right. And I think, and I'm thinking to myself, I said, well, me and my father have, have a great relationship. You know, we talk almost every day. We talk about sports, talk about church, talk about, you know, food, talk about, you know, events, whatever. We talk every day. And I start looking at these questions and I couldn't answer one question for my father. And I knew he couldn't answer one for me. And I said, wow. I said, I think I have something here. I think I have a tool here to really, you know, pass some information on from, from one generation to the next. And so that's where I started the Hello Black Man Journal. And what it is, is it's basically it's 52 questions in journal format. Uh, there, there is open-ended, you know, pages where you can write whatever. But the questions are just one of those things that's so intriguing that it allows a person to almost write an autobiography in a year. Oh, okay. And if you're open and if you're honest, then you really have something. Then you really have something that you can either A, pass on, you know, pass on from generation to generation. So I, I, I could just see my great, great, great grandchild having my journal and being able to go through and see some things that, you know, you're going to pass certain things down just, just through chromosomes. You're going to pass certain things down just through genes, uh, things that frustrate you, things you like, things you don't like, temper, uh, you know, saying things that nature, what we call in our community generational curses. Uh, so what are you going to do about it? You know, how are they going to get a, a heads up if you don't communicate to them? If you don't say, hey, these are some problems that we've had in our family for years versus just saying nothing versus just covering them up or not uh, allowing certain things to be said or, or talked about in, in family circles or settings. 
So now with this, I have a way to pass this information down. I can get information from my father and now I can pass information on to the next. Okay. So I think that's honestly a good tool. Well, for one, especially if like for black, for black men, I've noticed not just talking to like, like random individuals and talking to my friends, like talking to my friends, it's kind of hard for black men to communicate because, mm-hmm. or just show vulnerability in general. It's really, it's really hard for, it's really hard for men to show vulnerability in general, just because society deems that we're supposed to be so hard nosed all the time. Yeah. Well, well I'm going to tell you one thing it's taught. It, it, it's taught growing up. Right. Because the first time you, you start crying, the first time you have it. Hold on, you're going out for a second. You know, they, they dismiss. Hey, Hold I don't you want went out this. for a second. I, right. Yeah. I don't want to eat this. I don't want this. Well, sh- don't worry about it. Shut up. You're going to eat it or not. Well, I mean, like, God, Lee, you know, are, are you really letting the man explain himself? You know, saying why he don't like, he don't like this taste or this texture or whatever. The first time you're, you, uh, you know, you, you have a breakup, a heartbreak in high school or middle school or whatever. You never had a conversation about it with your parents. You didn't. I can tell you right now you didn't. You just kind of got over it. You just kind of muddled through it. They never said, hey, let me tell you about the first time I got my heart broke. You see what I'm saying? Those conversations are just not had. And, and it is so, it is so, I don't know. It, it's unfortunate. Because it doesn't have to be that way. A lot of things we go through the first time, you know, you crying and can't figure out what you don't want to eat, you don't want to do this, that, and the other. But your parents have been through the exact same thing. Mother, father, uncle, somebody, you know, of age, they could have said, hey, listen, this was going to happen. And then this was going to happen. And then you're going to get over it. You're going to be able to do this. And you're going to be able to get past this and stuff like that. Man, I've had a, I had a young lady, a uh, friend of mine, a teacher, uh, Kids, she was, uh, you know, taught in school that they're in the 19th grade. The, the, the young lady broke up with the, or the guy broke up with the girl. The, guy, the young lady broke up with the guy. He couldn't take it. He kills himself in the ninth grade. The ninth grade. Oh, wow. You know, and this is this is communication. And, and, I, and I truly believe that it's not that men don't, they, 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 it's not that they can't be vulnerable. It's the initiation of it. If, if we can, if they can improve in, initiating, initiating the conversation, the talking going to come. I promise you. If you ever get into a setting with your friends and y'all really get a conversation going, you know what happens? Y'all talk for hours. You, right. you the time, the time that goes and goes. Like man, we've been talking for three hours. You know, that's what happens though. Because you, you've been bottling it up for years. Just bottling it up, bottling it up, bottling it up. Not talking about this, not talking about that. And so now, when you get an opportunity to talk, it, it's like you could just talk forever. Because you just such a relief, man. It's just such a relief to, to, to get some of that stuff off your chest. And right. that's, why I, that's why I think this uh, is so huge, is to be able to have a journal to just kind of write some of the things down. Uh, I'll tell you what. Um, give me a number between one and fifty-two, and I and I'm going to ask you a question out of my journal. All right. Well, let's see. So born <laughs> on the seventh, lucky number seven. Let's go lucky with seven. seven. All right. So <clears throat> this says, "Hello, black man. How do you think others describe you? How do you describe yourself?" Hmm. Let's see. Ooh, this is a hard one. All of them hard. <laughs> 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 if, 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 if I tell you right there before you answer this. I started with every journal we had, we have about 300 questions, handwritten thoughts, sit down, just really, you know, digging into and every and every journal ends up with 52 questions. And if you could answer the question immediately, we deleted it. We literally deleted every question that you can handle immediately. <laughs> okay. <And> so <laughs> if, if you, if you hear this question and the first thing you got to think of is how transparent do I want to be? And that's what we wanted. We wanted somebody to hear this question like, now, do I really do I really be real with myself right now? Like, do I really, you know, speak? How do people see me? And, and for me, like those kind of questions, I know that I'm 43 years old. Some people still see me as a class clown. They still <laughs> see me as a guy that's supposed to be joking and playing all the time. And sometimes this can be frustrating. 
Some people see me as a poor communicator. Some people see me, you know, I, you know, as a failure at marriage or, you know what I'm saying, X, Y, Z. So all that has to come into play into your answer, you know, into your personal answer. As for me, it's just one of those things where every question is very, you know, we, it's going to be hard. It's a hard thing to do. So go ahead. Let me, let me, I'm going to ask you the question one more time. I've talked a little bit. Uh, so you said, how do you think, how do you think others describe you? And then how do you describe yourself? All right. The way that others would describe me, I'm going to just start with the number one, because in case my mama watching, stubborn slash hard headed. <laughs> that that is the number one. Uh, I would say lazy at times. I, that that's another one. Smart. I'm trying to think of what others would think. Caring, caring too, caring too much at sometimes. I would definitely say that. Now, for what I describe myself, let me see how I would describe myself. Sometimes I can be shy. I can lack self-confidence sometimes. I've always liked to be creative. I always like to think of new things, new ideas, resourceful, and um, really just, uh, I guess, a geeky, nerdy, nerdy guy. Mm-hmm. So, so with your answer, Knowing how you perceive others uh, see you, how they would describe you. Now, let me tell you how powerful it is. And all it's right. not all positive. No, everything that you said isn't necessarily positive, right? Right. So imagine having a child going through being bullied or going through this normal adolescence, right? Right. And they're looking for acceptance. They're looking to trying to figure out why everybody don't, don't like me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But now you have examples of yourself having to deal with the same thing, right? Right. So that's what's so powerful. Now you can literally show him examples of, hey, I understand what you're going through. You know, you can see I've clearly had some of the same struggles. People see me in certain ways. And now I know what you're going through. Not I know what you're going through and then not telling him exactly what you mean, because that's what we will do. You know, that's what his parents do. I understand. I understand. But just go ahead. Whatever. Don't worry about it. Like that ain't happening. That's not therapy, you know. But if you say, hey, I, I've had these issues before. X, Y, Z, one, two, three. Now he can really connect or she can really connect with, you know, what you got going on or, or, or what is uh, or what are some of the things that are, you know, that are going to push them past, you know, the, the, the troubles that they see or, or the stigmas that they have. Up. That's why writing it down will be huge, you know, and for you, it's therapy for you. For them, it's an attachment. It's a different, it's a different level of bond. And so now what about when their children's children, children, children can write, you know, you know, can check your journals out, you know, things of that nature. My great, 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 great granddad, you know, let me read about some things he got going on. There, you just breaking those curses generation after generation after generation. And that's the purpose of these journals. Right. I, I like that. I, I really do like that because, mm-hmm. because not because not only like will it help the per like person therapeutically, but it'll also mm-hmm. if you're a parent or basically a, a parental guardian, you can see what like their perspective on the way that they view themselves and how people view them or just how they view the world. Cause I'm pretty sure there's questions on basically like, Oh yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I really do. I really do like that. And I might have to pick up a copy myself. Yeah. It's, it, like I said, it, it's, it's in uh, what we have is right now, we're finishing up one right now, but we have hello, black man. We have hello, black woman. I'm going to go through them. I got them literally in my hand right now. And I don't want to, I don't want to miss one. So I got hello, black man for, you know, for the, your, your dad, uncle, grandpa, stuff like that. And like I say, these questions are just, just something, they're just a start. You know what I mean? I know right. families that have their journals, what they do is, they write in their journals and then they exchange them once a week. They okay. just exchange journals once a week, man. Do you know how powerful it is for an eight, nine year old to write something down, 
how powerful it is for somebody like me that's 40 years old that, that haven't had an intimate relationship with my parents. I have an extremely uh, phenomenal relationship, but not intimately as far as emotionally intelligence of, you know, where I stand on certain things or where they stand or why they made certain decisions. You know, nobody's asked them certain questions. You know what I mean? Right. You know, I, I found out recently that my mom wanted to be a, a flight attendant. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and there's nothing she's ever told me in my whole life. All I knew was where she worked at when I was, you know, coming up through school. You know, she never said, son, I wanted to do this. She never told me her aspirations. She was too busy making a way. But it's still therapeutic for, for her to get that off her chest. You know what I mean? It's still therapeutic for her to look back and say, hey, these are some things I wanted to do. And this is why I had to make certain decisions, X, Y, Z. So we have the Hello Black Man. We have the, black, the Hello Black Woman. We have Hello Black Entrepreneur. We have Hello Black Teen. We have Hello Black Educator. We have uh, Hello Black First Responder for our policemen and firemen. Uh, we have Hello Black College Student. We have Hello Black Child. We have Hello Black Couple. And for our non-melanated friends and family, we have uh, one called the Journey Journal. So right now we have 10 unique journals and we're literally hitting a uh, hit. We're literally hitting sin on submit on our next journal, and it should be available in about two weeks. Okay, I, I, I see you got got this thing going. So I do. <laughs> for the audience out there, where can they find your journals at? Uh, they can find the journals at helloblackman.com. All of them are, are there. We have apparel, uh, you know, uh, uh, for just representation of what we believe in. And it's all about transparency and communication. Uh, on Instagram, it's Hello Black Man Journal. Uh, on Twitter, it's Hello Black Man underscore. Uh, Facebook, uh, we're garnering right around 24,000 followers on Facebook. And it's Hello Black Man on Facebook and Hello Black Man on YouTube. Okay. Well, people, you heard it there. You can always find his journals um, at those sites that he listed. Now I'm going to ask you some fun questions. Some, some, okay. some, some questions that don't revolve business or anything. What is if I if I if you had to pick four people, four black people, four iconic black people, who would be on your black Mount Rushmore? Oh man, that's tough. <laughs> that's tough. Listen, my Mount Rushmore. This is this is dead or alive, right? Dead or alive. Oh, let's see. Uh number one. I don't even got to be in order either. Just, just I guess. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, let's see. Number one, let me go with I'm a huge, uh, I'm a huge, I'm a huge Barack Obama fan. Right. I've got to uh, put him. I feel like he gotta be there. Yeah, like I'm, I'm a huge, I'm a huge Barack Obama fan. I'm a political science, you know, pre-law major from you know way back. So, you know, this politics, I, I'm I'm a fan of politics and things of that nature. So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna go Barack Obama one. Uh, I'm gonna switch gears and go a little more. Uh, I don't know, fiery. I'm gonna go with Malcolm X two. Okay. Uh, three. Uh, and, and 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 I'm gonna tell you what's crazy about three. Three is strictly on intelligence and diligence alone. Uh, I'm going to go with Kobe Bryant. Okay. Kobe is one of the most intelligent. If you just hear the guy speak, he speak, you know, he spoke so many languages and things of that nature. Uh, his film breakdown was meticulous. His work ethic is, you know, like literally second to none of, of anybody of any sport you know, just through stories. You know what I'm saying? It was nothing he ever broadcast. It was just one of those things where he just, you know, worked at it and people built the stories themselves. Right. Uh, so let me see. Uh, so there's three, four. Mm, man. Ooh, wait. Four. I'm going to go with, uh, and, and, and I'm a spoken word fan. So I'm going to go with uh, Maya Angelou. Okay. Okay. So I think I can. I think I'm there, right there. 
Yeah, man. Sorry I had to throw that tough question on you, but uh, I got you. <laughs> <laughs> but I, no, no, I'm gonna give myself the same question. For me, I'm gonna have to go with Barack, and I'm 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 gonna just give my reason why Barack. For one, he showed that he showed that a black person can not like not just a black man, but a black woman can make a huge difference in the world and get to where they want to be two i would have to say it's the most modern one on my list lebron james just for the simple fact of not yeah, only, yeah. Not, not only just because of basketball just because just of how much he's given back to the black community and continues Ooh, to do that and can, continues to do that and he's um part of the billion uh he's almost part of the billionaire club, so we gotta put some respect on his name now. That's see. true. That's so true. Let me see. Oh man, these last two are gonna be hard because some some people are gonna get left out. Some people are gonna get left out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I gotta put Martin Luther King on there. Just okay. Just for what he did, not just for black people, just how he opened the eyes up to the whole country shoot, probably possibly the world. Like he just has to go on there. He made a huge difference. Oh man. Now the third one, Oh, this, this fourth one hard. Cause I had so many people in mind. I just had so many people in mind, but you know, <clears throat> Oh, this is so hard for me because <laughs> somebody's going to be mad one way or another. If I leave somebody out, Oh yeah, they're like, why you didn't say someone's a white say? <laughs> All right, so this may be controversial because I I talk a lot of crap about this man, but I I gotta say I gotta say just as far as iconic and, and just mind you, this is my generation. I'm gonna just say I'm gonna have to say Tyler Perry. Only reason why I say Tyler Perry is because he 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 basically came from the bare minimum of nothing and he made and now he's a billionaire and now even though yes he makes crappy movies but he used that and now he has a a billion dollar company and he's letting other black people work with him and get more work and i feel like that's huge in the black community is for us to help each other grow. Oh yeah, oh yeah. The, the, his level of his level of, of opportunity that he has that he has allowed and and and, and proposed to people. Uh, it, you know, he's made millionaires. You know, or, right. or at least some hundred thousand heirs um, in, in some places where it just wouldn't normally be be the case. So when you have people will, willing and open to reach back like that, uh, you got to have them high on, on some kind of list for sure. Right. Yes. I'm, like I said, I'm sorry, everybody listening out there. I know I left <laughs> out the Oprahs, the Harriet Tubmans, the Fred Hamptons, but I just, I just, I feel like I finally had to put some respect on this man's name. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. I'm with you. I'm with you. All right. So let's see. what. So what type of music you like, man? I'm gonna be honest with you, and and, and my kids and, and and my friends and family they find it hilarious. I can listen to literally anything. Of course, uh, now, now I'm a I'm a '90s 2000 guy, you know. So that's my era of, you know, I call it the golden era for me. Uh, but for but for R and B and rap, uh, I think it's. I think it's music that could be played for the next hundred years. Right. That that nineties and two thousand rap and R and B, you just it don't get no better. The H Town, the Jodices, the you know the 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 Cash Moneys, the you know um, the Mysticals, all those are huge to me. Uh, I can listen to them, you know, all all the time. Uh, I have a, um, a of course a, a, a Christian background, so I, I love some good gospel music. Uh, and then the same way I, I grew up in Mississippi, so I'm a huge blues fan, Johnny Taylor and 
all those guys. I, I, I can listen to Johnny Taylor at any time, any point. Uh, so I, I listen to rock and roll. I listen to country. I'm an old school country guy. I don't want Hank Williams Jr. I want Hank Williams Sr. You know, I want Willie Nelson. You know, that's the kind of country I listen to. Uh, I listen to classical from, you know, Beethoven, and Mozart and stuff like that. So literally, you know, if there is no music I won't listen to. You know, of course, it's got to be, you know, in a certain sense. I'm not listening to Mozart going to the SWAC championship, you know, football game. Uh, but <laughs> in, just in his respect, I can listen to almost any music. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of music. I also, I will say I'm capable. I don't want to say I play the trumpet, but I'm capable of playing a, a, a trumpet. I played in high school. Okay. Okay. I see. So a man of many tastes, I see. Yeah, a few. Yeah, a few. A few. <laughs> All right. Um, I'm gonna just ask a few more, then we're gonna get up out of here. Okay. So, what would you tell your younger self? Man, I I will say it's okay. Like I will literally say it's okay on on, on a certain number of things. Uh, early early on in my life, I felt like I took uh, a lot of things too lightly from, you know, schoolwork and to certain relationships. Uh, I didn't make certain connections and, and definitely from a financial standpoint, uh, figure out a way to put it away, put certain things away. Uh, and then with the rest of it, figure out how to invest. Uh, that's something that I think is missing. I think it's a huge component of, of, of what's missing in our community is, investing in like real estate investing in the stock market things of that nature uh we have to get to a place to where we understand the ups and downs the highs and lows of that um and i and i will say uh you know my to my younger self uh you know don't don't give up on on your dreams of course that line is almost it's almost you know redundant uh but but because you don't it doesn't work out the way you saw it in your mind. It can still work out. Um, I, I went to school for political science pre-law, right? Right. Uh, and, and, and I'm going to tell you this story. I literally went to college and went into political science pre-law because I saw a movie, The Devil's Attic. And I thought that movie was so intriguing. And one of the lines, De Niro, uh, Robert De Niro said, and he's like, uh, he's like, um, get into law, it puts you into everything. Why do you think we into law? It puts you into everything. I was like, boom, that's me. I'm gonna go to political. I'm, I'm gonna go to law. That was it. I, I never really was high on. I have to be a lawyer. I have to be a lawyer. I have to be a lawyer. I like political science because I, I like people. I like studying people, and that's what and that's what politics is really all about. The trends and you know why people make certain decisions and you know why they connect on certain things. Just studying people and their habits. That's what politics is really all about. Uh, and so beyond that, you have, uh, you, you just have to understand uh, it, it's, it's okay. Like we literally could, you know, you, you literally could take political science and do some of anything. with. And that's where I think uh, I, I came, you know, I chose that route. Uh, I don't know, man. I, I don't know. I, I, it will be a long conversation. Basketball, <laughs> from sports standpoint, um, I think I gave up on my dream, you know, too early. But I'm a fan of I'm a fan of sports. I'm a fan of of just playing the game because I know it's it, it's it's mentoring in itself, teamwork in itself. You know, it does a lot. Uh, it does a lot as far as uh, teamwork, communication, things of that nature. Okay. Uh, just keep, you know, I, I, I'm 43. I can still dunk a basketball. I still play full court basketball. I don't want to play no half court three. <laughs> I, I need to get out there and move around, man. So I guess uh, that's just you. some of the things. All right. And this is going to be the last thing okay. to bring it out. And since, you know, I'm a movie podcast, I got to ask you, Denzel or Will? I'm old school. I, I you know, I, Will is so talented. He's so talented. Don't get me wrong, man. I am legend. I, I think it, it, it was a huge, uh, I guess, upswing, uptick for me 
as far as uh as far as him is concerned. But uh Denzel, if Denzel's in the movie, I can just literally sit down and get into it. So, I, so I, I, I'm, I, I have to go Denzel when you talk about strictly movies. Well, all right, I guess, I guess that that does it. Well, Jamie, <laughs> it has been a wonderful time talking to you. I learned a lot yes, from you. I can't wait to actually buy one of your journals and start this and see how it works for me. Mm-hmm. And and people, this man seemed like he knows what you're talking about. So go ahead and get one of his journals on you said helloblackman.com yep helloblackman.com all right well jamie it's been a pleasure i hope Thank that you. we stay in touch and we can work together work together again sometime yes sir we will you get that journal make sure you give me a buzz man we're going to sh- send you a shirt out and also we'll make sure we, we'll get you booked to be uh be on our podcast uh this this time in the, in the spring or something all right thanks sir yes sir thank you so much